Jeffrey drives to one, but still a defeat at Twickenham. Plenty to reflect on in the Welsh Rugby Union podcast. Also hear from the Wales Women's Camp, a month out from their Six Nations campaign kicking off. And from Rhys Patchell on his last two and a bit years of injury struggles. But we'll start by reflecting on that game in Twickenham against England and looking forward to France at the Principality Stadium with Wales centre Jonathan Davis. In Test Match Rugby, you can't give teams you know, a 12-17 point head start. We suffered for that in the end, you know, it cost us and... I think there is huge frustration at that because it's something that has been highlighted and we're giving ourselves too much to do later on in the games. But in the second half, when you had a bit of ball controlling proceedings, is it fair to say that that's the blueprint of how you're trying to play? Yeah, we want to play with tempo and speed. With that, you have to be accurate. And I thought periods of our second half when we had control of the ball... It was pretty positive. We did some good stuff, but inevitably, you know, it's a results-based game and, you know, we didn't get the result in the end. How much consolation do you get from, as you alluded to, how you played in the second half and the fact that it was three tries to one? (sighs) In my eyes, we're relevant because we didn't get the result. That's the most important thing, you know, but you break down the game and look at areas that we can improve on it and keep building, I think, you know, you can take some positive. It's how we played with the ball in the second half. And, you know, we, we did bar that try they scored. I think, you know, they were, they didn't have much, many chances to score. So, you know, that was good from our defence as well. But like, again, you know, it's all about winning. How do you view France? They're uh, on fire at the moment with their win against Scotland. A lot has been made of their attacking play, but they're huge over the ball and they, and they capitalised a lot on Scottish mistakes as well. In a way, do you have to be more conservative against France? Do you have to sort of play less rugby? They're big, heavy men. And for us, it's making sure that our speed to break down, not giving them opportunities to get over the ball, I think. When you look at it, was when there's separation with the carrier, you know, they're very quick again, their hands on the ball and then... Because they're such big men, they're hard to move off it then. So, you know, for us, it's making sure that we don't give them the pictures that they want to see. So then negate the threat before it even happens. Sean Edwards was someone that was key to Wales's game. Would, would you put that towards him? And where, where do you see him with France now as well? Oh, look, Sean's done a great job with, with France. You know, they've seen that the way they've developed over the last couple of years to be one of the best teams in the world. And he's done a great job there. For us now, it's making sure that we maintain our own identity. I feel that like the last two games, we've grown defensively. I think we've been more comfortable slowing the opposition ball down and putting pressure on them instead of absorbing pressure. So for us, it's it's maintaining that identity that uh, Gethin wants us to take on. About the breakdown, it's obviously an area that you're pretty strong, as we saw at the end of the Scotland game, but just wondering what you make of Fiku and Dante in that area in particular and how much of a threat they pose there to the way Wales would want to play? It's something that you know you see uh, in wider rucks where backs have more opportunities to get on the ball, slow it down, and then there's a very different ways of doing it. You know, some of our players, like you know Liam, is exceptionally strong over the ball, and when he gets opportunities, you know he slows it down for opposition. And with Dante and Fiku, you know they've obviously worked extremely hard on the show, and it's something that 
Sean always emphasized is, you know, there's more than one way to skin a cat. And, you know, it, it is a varied way of slowing the ball down. And for us, it's making sure that when the game comes, we're not allowing them to have those pictures that they feel that they can get their hands on the ball or slow it down. And that's probably our focus now in that area of the game. Plenty more build-up to the France game next week on the Welsh Rugby Union podcast. But in a month's time, there's another Six Nations tournament starting, with the women's event now being held separately. Of course, Wales now has a group of professional and semi-professional players. The Six Nations kicks off in April, but before that, Wales women will play a warm-up game against the USA Falcons on March the 12th, 2pm kickoff at Parker Scarlet's tickets available through the Scarlet's website. Looking ahead to that and the Six Nations, coach Ewan Cunningham and centre Hannah Jones spoke to Liz Jones. Hannah, one month to go to the start of the Six Nations. How does that feel, especially this year with coming in full time? Yes, definitely really exciting and we're looking forward to the challenge ahead. We've had more time now to prepare, so we're definitely feeling more confident going into the Six Nations, having the time to have our recovery in. So Wednesdays and Sundays are off, so that's the time where you know we're really focusing on active recovery, going for walks, doing extra yoga, getting our extra skills in on a Friday as well has been really helpful. So yeah, looking forward now just to play and see what we've put in practice into a game. Can you tell me where have you seen the games so far by being full-time? Definitely, I've seen myself in the gym. The weights are slowly creeping up and definitely having the time and support of the nutrition from the Welsh Rugby Union has definitely seen little improvements week by week. So, you know, we've had six weeks now. We had a review yesterday, a six-week review, and there was definitely some good information in there where we've improved. And there's also a little bit of information there where we can kick on for the next six weeks. So it's like a reset block button and then focusing towards the Six Nations. Is there a tangible excitement amongst, obviously, the contracted players looking ahead at this Six Nations with the changes that have happened? Yeah, definitely. With us being the core group of the pro players, we've got to set standards and lead by example. So there's definitely a buzz within the group. And um, like I said, we've put it into practice now. We're looking forward to see when the games arrive whether you know we can put the pressure we do in training into a game. And USA is going to be key as a warm-up match too? Yeah, definitely. We've got a lot of new moves, a lot of new set-piece, so then we can put everything together, have a practice against USA and then regroup, review, and then go again then for the first Six Nations match, hopefully. What are your work-ons then on the pitch? Yeah, definitely keep working on our, on our strengths. There's other areas where I looked at individually where we can play a more expansive game out the back. So I'm looking forward to get ball in hand and you know getting running in the wide channels. And on the field, we've got extra time then to do passing, kicking, um, tackle tech, which we haven't had before. So it's going to be brilliant to widen our game and see what other additional skills then we can bring into the game. From being professional prior with Jasmine at GB, um, it's been useful for us to come in and try and help the other girls that's come from like a nine to five job. So we're just exchanging tips and uh, work on together. Like for example, being a rugby player, it's not a nine to five, you just don't switch off. So when you get home, you will have a little bit of downtime, a little bit of rest, but you've also got to remember, you've got your recovery to get ready for the next day. You've got your analysis to get ready for the next day, your food, etc. So. You know, you will have your time where you have your off peaks with your family and your friends and you get that downtime. But it's the mindset of, right, 
I've got time now to get better every minute. So how am I going to utilise this time to get better for tomorrow and keep pushing each day, each day? But it's been brilliant. The girls have really tucked into it and um, we're definitely seeing benefits already. Johan, one month to go for the Six Nations round one. Yeah, it's can't believe how quickly uh, it's creeping up on us. Super excited about getting into it, really. Things have been going really well. Girls have adapted to the training volume really well. But now it's pushing them on a bit further now and trying to get those critical gains that we need before we get into competition phase. Can you um, highlight some of the gains you've seen so far? Yeah, I think uh, understanding preparation has been great for the girls. Getting a routine, coming in every day, ticking off those important boxes they need to do from a monitoring point of view into mobility stretching to set them up for the day. Nutrition gains as well, uh, being able to change their eating habits and, and make those gains there as well as the stuff we've been doing on the field, the catch-pass stuff, those basic skills, the fundamentals, which hopefully will transfer into a match environment pretty soon. Fitness was one of your aims to see progress there. Has that been the case? Yeah, uh, we've really focused on trying to get a lot of running volume into the girls as much as we can. Getting the balance right as well in their loading of the week so they can also play on the weekend. But being mindful that we really want to increase that loading uh, from a running point of view and fair play to the girls, they've adapted well. As you say, one month to go around to the Six Nations. What does that look like for you in terms of preparation? Well, we had a great hit out against England in the 20s. Brilliant for us to see some of the structures we put in place and our learnings from the autumn against a good opposition. But we're excited for an opportunity to test ourselves against the USA, which will be brilliant in the lead-up to the Six Nations because Ireland's going to be a tough, tough first game for us uh, away from home. So that preparation is vital towards uh, the first game. And obviously you will move from um, contracted players to a more of a squad environment in the coming weeks. 100%. It's really important that we're united in everything we do. The team first, everything's about going forward as one. So we're excited about bringing everyone on board as a squad and training together and putting the work in ready for the Six Nations, really. And more contracted players now as we move to Six Nations? Yeah, the, we will look at, uh, at some individuals. Some are already in discussion, especially with the management and coaching group, looking at individuals and still excited to see who puts their hand up and also kicks on from some of those discussions we've already had. Some of the key areas that we are pleased as a management group regarding strength and conditioning is one, the girls' strengths are, are improving. You know, we're on a lot of PBs in our lifting in the gym. We've got a bell in there and if they ring a bell, it's a PB. Uh, and that goes off uh, fairly often, which is great for us to hear. And the girls are, are motivated by seeing results, which is excellent. Positionally as well, being really detailed and specific to each position. For example, from a skill set point of view, some of the work we've been doing with, with the props, skill set passing with the nines, and also kicking with our backs and back three. So that type of stuff has, has been valuable for us in these last uh, four or five weeks, really. We're definitely going to be pushing harder now and, and making the girls feel uncomfortable. We spoke about that yesterday, about you have to feel uncomfortable, you're going to get better. Making every rep count, we're going to be pushing that hard over the next four or five weeks to make sure that, that we transfer it to our matches and hopefully get some success. Can't wait for it to start, you know, getting fans back as well. Can't wait to be at home with supporters, which is going to be fantastic for the girls. You know, running out to a row, and that buzz that you're going to get uh, for a Six Nations test match is brilliant and yeah, this is building and we can't wait. You're listening to the Welsh Rugby Union podcast.
It's been over two years since Rhys Patchell last had a run of games without injury or Covid getting in the way for the Scarlets and Wales. He's always been one of the more thoughtful players in the game, so how's that been for him to handle? Boosted now by the news that he's just signed a new contract to stay at the Scarlets. I'd like to have a job next year more than anything. I've been quite fortunate in my career generally. I've, I've known where I'm going to be before Christmas and that's been a real weight lifted off the shoulders going into the tail end of the season, whether this time was a bit different. Obviously pleased to be sticking around and hopefully contributing to what we're building here. I mean, you last played prior to this season, what, that Wales game against Scotland is a long, yeah. long while ago. You know, there must have been some tough moments. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, you can have the best agent in the world, but if you're not on the field doing the business, it's very difficult to sell yourself, isn't it? So, um, fortunately for me, getting on the field came at a good time with regards to that. So yeah, it's been a frustrating period of time for me. Certainly, I you know I I hadn't anticipated being injured and picking up as many niggles as I did. But there we are. That's that's how it goes. And hopefully, you know, touch wood, I've got them all out the way and all in, in one very long go. And as I said, looking forward to being back on the field and contributing to what we're doing here. Because you had the concussion issue, obviously, you were about to come back, and then. I think it was last year, wasn't it? You... Oh my goodness! And then there's been a, a catalogue of a catalogue of um, soft tissue injuries, and that's that's been the real frustrating thing is is that I've been ready to go from a point of view that I have been mentally on the field for a long, long time in terms of the, that I've been willing to to be out there and, and all the rest of it. It's just been a case that my body has, has sort of got in the way at times. Uh, well, most of the time, actually, and they've sort of come at a really frustrating point where you're a couple of days off getting on the field you've been named in the team on a Monday Tuesday in the week and then in a Thursday session or a, or a captain's run or whatever it is you pick up a niggle and it sets you back so yeah it's been um, I wouldn't say an easy period to live with me certainly or to be around me for a period of time but but there we are with there now and, uh, and and hopefully I've, I've been ready to go since goodness me the middle of October November played two development games for the club and then and then every game got cancelled after that. It was really frustrating. You felt like, okay, we found a bit of fitness here. And, and I think I trained something like 13 weeks on the bounce and there was no games. It was incredibly frustrating. But, you know, the games are hopefully going to come thick and fast now and I, I can stay on the field and, and contribute, as I say. I remember speaking to you after that game at Rodney Parade. You mentioned there in November the, the, the development game. Um, I think it was your first game back. And I asked you then whether... You, you'd ever question whether you would get back. And you said, no, you always believed you would. But then it's interesting when you hear, hear you say about good to have a job. Did you ever kind of worry about whether it would be difficult to sort of convince future employers because of the injury record? I mean, I've got absolute faith that once I got on the field and I got a run of games that, that I'd be able to deliver and, and that I'd be able to contribute to an organisation. Unfortunately, the organisation that I'm contributing is the Scarlets. In terms of how you sort of dealt with the time off, I mean, obviously you've done the media work and other side of things, and, but what is it that occupied your time? The biggest part of the time off has been rehab, frankly. Um, I've been banned from the physio room on this next contract or uh, certainly <laughs> rationing my time in there. A fair bit of on rehab and mobility and, and work with a guy called Richie Hughes. We've worked together for years and he's been brilliant. He's the most positive person in the world. Did my coaching qualifications. Did the play to coach, which was brilliant with, with Dr. Dan Clements. A bit of charity work in the background with Sean Milan Foundation, uh, which is charity is very close, or foundation is very close to my heart. Um, 
generally trying to support the boys, trying to help around the place as much as I could and trying to certainly help the younger the younger players in the squad to understand what the coaches were trying to get out uh, of the week and what the coaches were looking for and, and help them uh, for a weekend. The game is ever-changing and as someone with a coach's eye, you probably got an insight into it more than anyone. And having been away and come back, are there any kind of nuances to fly-off play and the demands and the role? Or is the number 10 job still pretty much the same as when you first put it on at Glantap or Cardiff or wherever? Yeah, there's certain things in the game that don't change and there's other things that, that are changing all the time. You know, I think we might be the only game in the world that changes the laws every year. So there's the odd thing to grapple with. I'm, I'm very much enjoying the 50-22. I think that's been a real success of the of the law variations or the new things they're bringing into trial. And I hope that stays in because it, it really forces you to think about the game differently. Now that everybody understands the value of the 50-22, I think the game is becoming a bit more like chess with that backfield where you've got to try and shape, shape the backfield in order to open up that opportunity. You know, you might get the odd freebie where on a counter-attack opportunity, they've got one in the backfield and you can pick off a fair bit of space and roll it into touch. But generally, I think people are cottoning on now to the advantage you can gain with that rule and are making it more and more difficult through phases to find that space. I know from a young age, you're someone, you know, rugby is such a passion, you love the sport. Did that ever fade at all with the injury situation? Or has it actually come out the other end now that because of those injuries, you're actually enjoying it and relishing it all the more now? I think that's a fair question. I think, um, I'd say I appreciate it a lot more now. And I appreciate the match day nerves a lot more. I th- they used to be something that, not that I'd used to dread the match day nerves, but it was almost like, I almost appreciate the match day nerves knowing that at some point that they won't be there anymore. And that buzz will have to be replaced by something else. And did I lose love for the game? I got frustrated with the game, that's for sure. But I think if I wasn't playing, I'd be coaching or, you know, I'd be involved in the game in some capacity. And, and I tried to stay in the game in some capacity when I was frustratingly on the sideline. So, yeah, some days the game doesn't love you quite as much as you love it, I think is the, uh, is the best way to put that. Talk us through that WRU player-to-coach scheme under Dan Clement. What did you get out of it? Dan runs the, the player-to-coach course with the union. So... I really enjoyed the course, first and foremost. I thought it was a really, really worthwhile and enjoyable year that we had. And it's a lot around understanding coaching. If you're on the course, there's an accepted level of understanding of the technical and tactical nuances of the game. It's more around, well, how do you structure training? How do you coach? And how you develop your coaching and and how that changes based on whether or not who you're coaching or what you're coaching or where are you in the coaching ladder in terms of if your job is, for example, the contact area, or if your job is the head coach or the director of rugby, you know, the, the amount that you coach and what you coach and, and the detail around that changes. So just more an understanding of, of how you go about that. You've always done some coaching in the past, helping out back at Glantav School, for instance, but what have you been doing during the last couple of years then? I did a bit with, I was coming back from my shoulder injury with Josh Phillips, our Academy 10 here at the Scarlets, he was at Glantav. So um, when I was doing like shorter days of rehab, Brad Moore buddied me up with Josh and we'd kick on a Friday afternoon. Pre-season and the early part of the season, I was down doing a bit with the Cardiff Quins, which is brilliant. And I really enjoyed that. But unfortunately, due to COVID and 
uh, injuries and playing, well, now playing free time has been a bit more difficult to come by. So um, probably haven't, well, I haven't got down there as much as I would would have liked to in, in the past couple of months, really. But, yeah, no, something I've definitely enjoyed. An interesting story, and hopefully he can put together that run of games now. As mentioned, plenty of build-up to the France game in next week's Welsh Rugby Union podcast. And until then, goodbye.